0: All right. Okay. All right. We're back here for another episode of the Heavy Galaxy Show right here on the CMS Network, and today we'd like to welcome to the show a band that many of you uh, may have not have heard of in some time, but they're back after a 25 year hiatus, uh, with their brand new full length album. Hell of a comeback record, by the way. It's titled Volume Three from Sugar Tooth. I'd like to welcome bassist Josh Bloom to the show, Josh man. 27 years i believe it's been since uh you guys have been in in business so naturally my first question is going to be why now i mean after you know such a a long hiatus i mean do you have you feel like the band's got some unfinished business maybe something with the pandemic that you know kind of a lot of bands have gotten reformed after that so fill us in man
1: yeah man it's a little bit of all of that i mean we we had unfinished business for sure uh we definitely wanted to um continue our story it felt a little too cut off and a lot of that had to do with um just the way like mark and i were feeling after the second record after touring that mm-hmm. uh and the response we got from the record company and and just some other stuff that we were dealing with but uh um we uh we definitely wanted to sort of finish our story we recently were uh i guess it was about like five years ago or something there was a cool movie and documentary that this guy did out of um uh, New Zealand. Mm. Or Sorry, Sean. Underground
0: Caps. Egg is Underground Egg. Yeah. One. Yep. Mm-hmm. And
1: sure. so yeah, so Joey and I were in it, and Mark was in it, and and you know Sean from White Zombie, and um, uh, Quicksand and Helmet, and and some great bands. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of the story of that documentary, which is definitely worth checking out, was that you know all these bands got signed up in the the Nirvana sort of rush. Mm-hmm didn't get any love unless they were selling, you know, millions of records right off the bat. Mm. Um, it's just sort of kind of the major label story anyway. Yep, oh yeah. Um, but, uh, so uh, it was about all these bands that basically uh, were unheard of or unheard for the most part, but had something to say, but just, you know, the story was just, it, it just it just ended for all mm. these bands, essentially. Um, and more so for Mark, i have been, uh, uh, before that, I'd been uh, writing songs and, and sending them back and forth to Mark and, um, but for him, that really watching the, the movie kind of, it really sort of uh, kicked his ass into gear of wanting to get back and finish the Sugar Tooth story.
0: Okay. Um,
1: didn't want to leave it as just, okay, this sort of, you know, they were a band that, that got swept up only because of this Nirvana rush. Um, and then they didn't, you know, they didn't steal millions of records. So then it just all ended and we didn't see ourselves like that. Um, uh, you know, we, we see our story a, a little bit differently and we also see it as, uh, unfinished and the, you know, it, it's unfinished because we still have a lot to say and a lot to, uh, um, a lot, a lot to write.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, no, and, and yeah, I actually, you know, I interviewed, uh, Last uh, year, I interviewed Sean. I mean, yes. About the documentary. Yeah, like I said, it was a great documentary. It really exactly. was. And um, and like you said, you're, you're spot on, like you said, about really the industry. I mean, at that point, everybody was looking, all of the labels were looking for the new Nirvana in Seattle. That was what they were all doing. They were throwing a ton of money. I mean, just at so much at everything. And unfortunately, yeah, like back in the 70s or 80s, you didn't have, you know, a three to five, you know, record, you know, span to, to try to prove yourselves and to try yeah. to you know um obviously develop as a band um you know bands like kiss and all those bands got that obviously yes 90s was just one album you know and it, it's like with you guys i mean obviously you guys had a um you know with with the first record you did really well um obviously with so my fortune did really well yeah and then obviously it, but like you said most of the bands same thing your second album came out and if it wasn't uh you know hitting hitting you Can know no at that part then, um, hold on a second, Sean. I think that was John. John, yeah, we can hear you, man. You there? You hear us?
1: Can you hear us, John? You
0: hear us? You hear me? Yeah,
2: hey, we can man. hear you. Can you hear All us? All right. Hey, Josh. What's up, John? It is a pleasure
1: to meet you, sir. It's Glad pleasure we were able to do me, this. To see you. I like the, the way you're sort of going in and out. It's like, uh... It's like a ghost
2: is is interviewing me. I love it. Hold (laughs) on. Let me make sure I got everything I'm going to turn all my electronics off. That's sometimes what we got to do in this fucking place. I hear you, man. Uh, All right. Let's see if this helps. Okay. All right. Looking good, dude. How am I sounding? Uh, You sound perfect. Yeah, you sound good. Clear. Mm-hmm. good. We don't have the issue of last, last night. <laughs> Couldn't be yeah, heard last yeah.
0: night. Just no, it so was
2: tricky. Do you, Josh, you know who Mike Barney is? I do. Yes. Yeah. He's a friend of mine. And so we had him on the show last night nice. and, uh, and he was using his cell phone. Okay. And, uh, he had a speaker, and so there was like this. I don't know. Have you, if you don't want to listen to it, Matt, to see how bad it is? Or
0: no, yeah, it actually came out fine because this, this stream yard we have actually gets rid of all that when you when you put it all together. So
2: oh, that's cool, yeah. For really cool.
0: oh. sure, yeah. So we're, we're all good,
2: yeah. So it was, it was just you know, predict- I can only hear it when Matt was saying things, and it was like, <sighs>
0: yeah, yeah, I don't
1: know, mm.
2: but <laughs> uh, yeah, fun stuff.
1: Fun stuff, man. Love yeah. technology and glitches.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah,
2: technology is great, and but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> That's just the way it is, man. For sure. Well, yeah. thank you so much for coming on and uh hanging yeah. out with us a little bit. My pleasure, my pleasure. Thank you for having
0: me. Oh, yeah. So I'm gonna. I'll just finish up this question, John, and then I'll yeah. I'll, I'll hand it off to you here. Okay. We we're, we're about two yeah. just two questions in. So yeah. So um, like sure, as we I mean, excuse me, uh, Josh, as we were saying you know, like you said, that essentially pretty much happened the same to you guys, correct? I mean, after that second album, it didn't sell what it, I'm sure the labels wanted to. And then boom, they just dropped you like a hot potato. I mean, is that pretty much what geffen did pretty much with, with, sugar tooth at that time?
1: Uh, a hundred percent. Yeah. We, um, you know, we did, uh, that first record, which is behind you and looks fantastic, by the way. Okay. I love, <laughs> <cover>. uh, <laughs> <that's> <laughs> right. um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, the, um, you know, we did, uh, we had some good success with that record and sold my fortune single, but even that, um, with all that we had with the sold my fortune single, and we were on the road to, you know, pushing that record and, and touring before that record. And after that record, we would, we would be on the road for like 300 days a year. And so we were really dedicated to, you know, to the music and to the band and getting out there and, um. But even though with all that and the success of Sold My Fortune, they released a second single, which was Tuesday Morning from that record, which, which mm-hmm. I love that song. It's a fantastic oh, yeah. song. And But uh, it didn't take off within, you know, two weeks um, of, right. of the release. And so they were like, oh, fuck it. Let's just, you know, let's throw it at Jackal and see what happens, you know, throw money somewhere else. And um, <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. we yeah
2: i remember that era <laughs> the chainsaw yeah, totally. <laughs> i even bought the album you know, back I, then. I, I, we should have had a chainsaw there's no doubt about it we, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah that's, it somewhere around here yeah <laughs> you could have it hanging on the wall you totally,
1: know. totally. <laughs> uh you know so it was um it was uh the reality of the situation, we knew, you know, we kind of knew it going into, uh, what record labels do with baby bands and how they treat them. We, we, we grew up in LA, um, you know, so it was around the, the scene and the music business since I was like 13, essentially. And so I knew, I knew that like, yeah, when I was 13, I was, uh, I lived down the street from the Troubadour. So, which was all ages. So I would, first show I ever saw in 1983 when I was 13 uh, by myself at the Troubadour was Wasp and um, oh nice I can't remember who else it was but it was the Heavy Metal Blood Drive it was amazing the second one was Slayer with the Ar- uh, Armored Stain opening nice oh my Insane. that like I mean like Wasp blew my mind and then I saw Slayer in the Troubadour and I was like what the
2: fuck now, now how old are you Josh
1: I am now 52
2: okay and I'm yeah. 54, so we're very, uh, we're, yeah. we're right meat and potatoes Gen Xers. <laughs> totally. So I get yeah. the metal. It, it, it was just we are so lucky to be in high school in the 80s. I would say, yeah, like, so too. It was the best metal, and you were even in junior high, and it was just yeah. metal was at this peak. It was insane, it, right? You,
1: I mean, you had Judas Priest, and you had Iron Maiden, and then you had all this stuff coming out of LA that was sick, and um. Yeah, it was it was a good time, and especially I was really fortunate to, uh, born and raised in Los Angeles, strictly for my metal taste, and you know wanting and and my yeah. ability to go to Troubadour to see shows every weekend. But oh, it certainly, geez. yeah, I mean, it changed my life and changed the, the way I saw my life going for sure. Uh, possibly to my parents' chagrin,
0: but <laughs> they
1: did actually. They dropped me off at the Troubadour and then would drive around the block just to make sure wow. I was. Nice.
0: <laughs> oh, that's
2: caring. At least, <laughs> I totally my, I mean, my you know, mom when used. To-
1: when I was when I was thirteen, I um, uh, I I auditioned for a band that was uh like a Metallica cover band, and I didn't know any Metallica songs really. I knew how to play uh, Paranoid by <laughs> Sabbath, um, but uh, for the most part, um, that was all I knew. And and he <laughs> drove me out like an hour drive to go to this. This this band's house, oh. and he took me there. And, you know, like five minutes in, this band was like, "You suck." <laughs> <laughs> oh, what are you gonna do? <laughs> One
2: That's
1: day I'll be awesome. back.
2: Did you ever run into Slash back in the day? I mean, he grew up in California and uh, L.A. and maybe his, in Hollywood. His
1: brother Ash uh, was sort of in the same friend group, um, and then um, Slash grew up with uh, with Dave Kushner who um, is mm. one of Joey's best friends who was in Sugar Tooth for a minute. Um, who He replaced Tim in Sugar Tooth um, on the, the, the tour for the first record. Um, but uh, yeah, we had a lot of mutual friends, but I never really uh, got a chance to hang with him. Yeah. I saw him a lot. I went to the Troubadour. Uh, to, I, it's always the Troubadour uh, to see uh, Guns N' Roses like 85, 86 when they first started. And, um that was insane because they would have like they would play a, a jumping jack flash cover, and at that point they would have two girls like in lingerie get up and start dancing and you know I, I think I was fifteen at the time, and it just that was like slayer blew my mind, and then the girls in lingerie dancing the guns and roses completely blew my mind so
2: that fantastic. blew your pants really not breaking- <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it's amazing. Josh and it, it, Matt, it's amazing the visuals we have, they're attached, the music, in like our lives. Um, for some of us, it, it's really like a soundtrack of life along the it way. Really um,
1: it's, it's yeah. um, and especially like you guys as well, right? If you're music lovers, you just attach songs or bands or, okay. you know, to experiences or feelings. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's yeah, man. It's fantastic. It's uh, it's what music is meant for. Hundred percent. Right.
2: Sugar guarantee. tooth. I mean, sugar tooth for me, the visual. Uh, it's during an era. I graduated college in '92, and okay. I lived at the beach. I'm an East Coast boy, uh. So I was born, and raised in D.C. area, Virginia, uh-huh. and I went to college in North Carolina, East Carolina University, and. Uh after that, they're down to Hilton Head, South Carolina, and that's where all once sugar juke to started happening somewhere. I don't know, to me it seemed 92, 95 in that area. And I was just like, Holy shit. I mean, and Beavis and but it,
1: Yeah, I yep. think was
2: where I found out about you. I mean, for sure. How did we, how did that happen? <laughs> uh, that was, where did that was, it, how did this happen?
1: <laughs> that was dumb luck. And uh uh, what, what was interesting, actually, you know, about the Beeps and Butthead thing is they were such a crazy phenomenon, as you guys know, right? They yeah. they came out and were talking shit about bands, where they were glorifying bands, and the bands that they they trashed kind of got destroyed, right? Yeah.
0: They, oh yeah.
1: Right, like I think Kip Smith was telling me the yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> credit Beeps and Butthead for ruining that career. Yeah, maybe, mm-hmm. um, and like White Zombie, their career was just propelled yeah. Yeah. By, by Beavis and Butthead. And what was interesting was um, Beavis and Butthead, when when White Zombie uh, got the notice, that was Beavis and Butthead was on at like three o'clock or four o'clock in the afternoon after school. So when kids come home, they see it, right? Every, and back then, like MTV was what you were watching. Um, and so kids mm-hmm. would come home from school, put on MTV, Beavis and Butthead would be hilarious. Um, and started sort of taste making music. Then some kid, Beavis was always yelling fire, 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 right? Mm -hmm. So then some kid ended up lighting his house on fire. I don't know if you remember that.
0: Yeah, I remember this, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And so MTV had to move the show from afternoon to 10 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. So when we got onto Beavis and Butthead, it was at 10 at night. So it didn't have the the same reach. But it's amazing how much how much effect that it did have because it's still to this day uh, people are like they know sold my futon more than they know sold my fortune,
2: mm-hmm.
1: well, you know, fortune, right? Fortune.
0: <laughs> <I think laughs> you <it's> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, and they're right about that. He is saying fortune, <laughs> but uh, but so yeah, so that yeah. was just something where we weren't expecting to be on there, and then when we found out that we were going to be on there, we were scared shitless because we didn't know what they were going to say. Yeah. Um, so we were right. pretty pretty ecstatic by when we saw that they, they thought we rocked. So <laughs> that, that was that was nice. Um, but but Matt, how did it happen?
2: What's that? How did it happen? Like, how did they find out about you? Or did, did your manager or label submit to them? I mean, I, there's got to be a rhyme reason how someone I decided. Would, I
1: would, yeah, I would imagine that the label was submitting things, you know, or... Uh, it's possible that the label submitted us, but it's also possible that just sort of anything that was going and um, and being serviced to MTV at the time, um, huh. especially rock stuff, was was showing up for them. Um, but I don't know. Mike Judge did us some some serious solids. He would put us he put us on the um, uh, the Daria show. Remember that show, Daria? He had mm-hmm. he put us on that show um, in the soundtrack a couple times. Uh, I believe like Sold My Fortune would be playing whenever the Hesher would roll up, you know, like the beat up car <laughs> mm-hmm. Sold My Fortune would be playing.
2: Mm-hmm. I'll take it. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> I had that car. Um, so, so, yes. Yeah. So, and I've never met Mike Judge or heard him talk about us or anything like that, but he really, uh, he, he helped us out a lot for sure. Wow.
2: Yeah. That's really yeah.
1: unique. Yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. Um, I, and then one point, I, uh, uh, oh, sorry, John. No, you go ahead. Uh, I realized that I got off on a tangent about the, me going to the Troubadour when I was 13, uh, when I was supposed to be talking about um, uh, uh, major labels. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so, so So back to that point, after you know if you if you weren't hitting within a few weeks or they didn't see the kind of uh response that they wanted or were expecting they just they pulled the tour support and so um, so that was tough i mean because it seemed like we were doing everything right everything was going our way uh i'm sure we made a lot of you know sketchy decisions along the way but um but that was uh that was a tough thing to sort of uh deal with and then when we got back uh from tour danzig approached joey to uh to join the band Mm. and then so that made it even to uh to get the second record going yeah
0: find a drummer that could replace joey which that's true yeah good luck with that (laughs) yeah i know right (laughs) yeah well i mean what i find interesting too about sugar tooth is so you guys originally i believe started out about 1990 i think it was around that time right uh we started
1: um 91, like around Mm. 90, 91, I was playing. We were essentially a band called She Died with a different singer. Um, And um, we eventually uh, parted ways with that singer. And Mark was in a band called Hard Comfort at the time who played some shows with us. Um, And so uh, he ended up auditioning for the band. And um, then we became Sugar Tooth.
0: Okay, so because yeah, so I mean, when you released now the self-titled release, that was '94, correct? So, yeah. and I think what it, what one of the things I think what what was unfortunate for for you guys was that by that time, that initial wave of grunge was kind of you know coming to a close, and then you started really seeing more. Alternative, you know, I mean, it really went from grunge to alternative grunge to now just alternative rock, right? Um, or you said a little post grunge bands or post everything was the post, yeah, those things, right? Yeah, all mean, those exactly. Yeah, and I don't uh, know. You know,
2: I don't know, Matt. I don't think grunge was dead by that time at all. I, well, I, it, I do we, know that Kurt died and, and all that, but. Mm-hmm. Soundgarden would you know popped out four albums in a row. You know, mm-hmm. Um Allison Chains just kept going and going. Well, Pearl well, Jam well, was—I
0: mean, I sure saw the Pearl Jam names.
2: in '98, thousands and thousands of people.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, those I think those bigger you know bands, by Close that point, had, you, know, you know, had had a lot of. I, mean, I, I think, think the '90s years under their belt. You know, yeah, I, so- I'm
2: a big fan of the '90s, Matt. I don't think you are as much as me. In some ways, Troy. I am. I grew up in
0: the nineties. Like, so why wouldn't I be?
2: <laughs> yeah, but you're a little kid. you know, I'm an adult by then. No, I'm joking. Um, but Croge Conformity and Monster Magnet were just escalating, and you know, so there was a lot of good diversity of hard and heavy rock. I mean, hell dancing's fucking good, typo. I and mean, I just think that people don't realize the 90s as much and how that can affect if. You know how it is affecting the music nowadays. Now, mm-hmm. Josh, Unfortunately, the music nowadays that is of that influence, right, uh, is more underground. Period. The, sense, the big labels, which were down to three. <laughs> you know, um, they put their their you know their cash and money and, and and energy towards pop music with a with a high concentration of hip hop and rap. You know, yeah. and of course, they'll hit their country thing because um, that's an automatic. And, you know, it's, I mean, rock and roll is not dead, but uh, we've done everything we can in America to do it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy. You know? <laughs> we because, definitely have. I mean, really, like your album, your new album is really good. People right. need to hear it, but it costs money to be heard.
1: It, it costs money to be heard. heard. No, it's... Uh it's interesting right because because we're figuring out how to promote the band at this point in time um you know in and in, in this sort of uh, like you guys are saying uh it's it's not rock music hard rock music isn't you know on the radio it's not on tv it's not being put in movies or really video games that much it's just it's hard to find it's something gone underground um, and trying to promote a record without uh, a major label for us, which is this is the first time we've ever done that, because um, we never had really outside of like writing the songs, going out on the road, playing every night, doing as many interviews as we could, meeting as many people as we could. You know, outside of that, we had never really had any experience on how to promote, Um so now we're trying to figure yeah. out how you do it in this new age, you know, where it's uh, everybody's, you know, sort of scattered around the internet. Whether it's you know Facebook or Instagram or Reddit or YouTube, um, we're finding out a lot of people don't stream music, <laughs> which was wild to me. So you know, we're going to make well, some CDs. Yeah, people people oh, are asking yeah. for CDs, and it it I was Absolutely. talking to somebody. From from disc makers or disc maskers, or whatever it is, um, yeah. I should probably find out. Uh, you know about getting some CDs printed up uh, to 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 meet the demand that we're getting, and uh, it just sort it's of the it,
2: easiest way to make money, guys.
1: Yeah, I guess so. It, but it's, it's easy way. Surprise! Yeah. I haven't had a CD player in ten years. <laughs> I don't think
2: that's all right.
1: You people know, like you might them even CDs.
2: people literally like uh, CDs.
1: <laughs> Yeah, no, no. It turns out like it tur- there's a whole bunch of people out there that that's their 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 platform of choice. And that's 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 great. Um, so we're going to you know, we're going to try meet that demand and we're going to you know, get some CDs made and we're also getting vinyl made for volume three. We're also working on uh, trying to get the masters for the first two records from Geffen, which is universal now, oh, cool. okay. uh, so we can uh, release the first two records on vinyl. So hopefully that'll um, get resolved pretty soon.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Very
1: cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So so back to the point of trying to promote a band uh, in this day and age, finding out how where your audience is in all the different places, finding that audience again, um, you know, and getting them music that they could hear, whether it's you know streaming on any one of the platforms that they may subscribe to or not subscribe to, or a physical format, um, is for, for sure challenging. Um, mm-hmm. uh, this is not, we're not expecting volume three to be the last record that we make. Um, so it's also sort of a, um, you know, a, a learning exercise on, uh, how we're going to approach the next one. Sure.
0: Well, I, now in yeah. terms of the sounds for you guys now, um, obviously it, it to me, it's you've gone kind of back to sort of the, the original sound from the first record. Uh, like I said, a little more bluesy, I would say, obviously, maybe a little more bluesy, less, uh, uh, you know, heavier, brungier. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously, a, a, a definitely a different sound than what you guys had on your your uh, sophomore release, Sounds of solid, back in 97. I know that was obviously a bit of a departure, you know, from that first record. You guys uh, had the Dust Brothers, and that was kind of the, the point I was getting on before when when things started getting alternative, in the mid to later nineties, you know, obviously that's where things are going. I mean, obviously the dust brothers worked with beastie boys and Beck. So that was really what was kind of, you know, I guess the real, you know, that was the type of music that people were really getting into. Obviously that was all over the radio. Um, I, I know now, for, and I think I've read some things where I know you, you guys were talking about, yeah, you probably maybe should have, maybe not have, you know, if you maybe had your druthers, maybe in hindsight, you could have, you know, maybe go back and maybe did things a little bit differently. Because, like I said, you guys, I know, had gotten dropped soon after that, after that tour, as you mentioned before. Do you think you guys, have, in hindsight, would you have maybe changed maybe with something that, you know, that you did with that second record? Um, or would you have just kept that, you know, original sound? I mean, did the, let's put it this way. Did the label have anything to do with that, too? Did Geffen push you in any direction? No, not at all, actually. Um,
1: we knew that we were going to be dropped.
0: Okay. We knew that we we were lucky
1: that we were going to eke out a second record on gate on geffen's dime okay. you know mm-hmm. we knew that um that they had uh, some money <laughs> that they could spend on us and we mm-hmm. knew that after they spent that money on the record we were most likely going to be dropped but we we did enough to earn that second record i think okay. um and mark and i loved uh and joey as well loved um uh, uh, the Beastie Boys album Paul's Boutique that um, the Dust Brothers did. Um, we actually, we, the, the Beck record, we met the Dust Brothers when they were working on that record. So we hadn't really heard anything, but, but we were into a lot of different sounds. And uh, on the road, we would listen to a lot of different things, you know, besides just metal or, or grunge. Um, we would listen to hip hop. We would listen to trip hop. We were really into Portishead uh, and what they were doing at the time with samples and live instrumentation um, and recording themselves and then turning them, those recordings into samples, you know, and, and piecing together stuff. And so we were really into that idea of just experimenting. Um, so that record, um, uh, The Sounds of Solid and uh, the idea of, of working with the Dust Brothers was originally brought up by our a and guy saying that since you guys are working with loops, and one of the reasons we actually started working with loops was because Joey left for Danzig,
0: okay.
1: um, and trying to replace that guy is is a pain in the ass, mm-hmm. um, you know. And also, <laughs> probably emotionally, we didn't want to, you know, because he was he was a part of the band and a part of the family. Um, but anyway, we um, so working with loops ourselves and working um, with sort of pre-recorded sounds kind of dictated the songwriting a little bit. Um, we also, we actually, we, before we started um, going that route, we, we we did have another drummer and another guitar player, Tommy Souther from uh, from Godspeed. Um, Craig Anderson was on drums. He's, I, I'm forcing, uh, forgetting the band that he's in now, but, um, and it was heavy. It was super heavy and it was what I think people would Fans, uh, the majority of the fans of the first record, were looking for on the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark and I didn't want to yeah, make. Tommy. It. Go ahead, John. Oh, no, no, Tommy's. I was a
2: gonna say classic. Tommy was from the band Solace.
1: Solace, thank you, thank Solace? you.
2: Yeah, yeah, That's
1: yeah. phenomenal <laughs> That's guitar <interesting>. player. Phenomenal <laughs> guitar player, great guy. Um, we didn't. We we knew that we had this one chance to get that record company money. And we didn't want to make the second record, just as artists, you know, just as people that were trying to create something. Um, And we had so many different ideas of sounds and and production styles that spoke to us that we were trying to incorporate into heavier riffs. Um, It just, it made sense for us. And so I don't know uh, that we would do anything differently production wise. I know that we would do some things differently, like, oh, we wouldn't think that we were like the greatest thing since sliced bread. You know, we might listen to people more <laughs> instead of telling people to fuck off, we know exactly <laughs> what we're doing. Um, but, but not in um, the production of the music, I don't think. Okay. Um, and also with uh, the Dust Brothers, um, I ended up having some amazing um, uh, uh, experiences with those guys. Like they they had me come in and play on a, a Rolling Stones record they were working on, um, on Hanson. I played on the Hanson record, oh, uh, yeah. just like a Microsoft commercials, just all kinds of shit they had me playing on. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: wow. so just as a bass player and a studio yeah. musician, I was like, all right, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. And I and I think okay. uh, we did some fun stuff, you know. And it's 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 what's really cool now, guys, is that I'm hearing from people. I always thought everybody hated the second record, but hearing from people uh, coming out, um, some people are saying like that's their sugar tooth record. You know, the majority okay. of the, the it's the first record is is sugar mm-hmm. tooth
2: for them. Yeah. Uh,
1: but it turns out that there's like a whole, you know, the whole group of people. Yeah. Uh, that loved the Sounds of Solid. And um, so so once we released Volume 3 and we started reconnecting with people and hearing that, that actually, uh, that was, it, it made us feel great. You know. That, I'm sure that, that's
2: that, pretty encouraging. For I, sure. I really 100%. think that that second album was uh, a grower. and And I think there was a, sometimes, you know, when a second album comes out or a follow-up album from something that was you know, at a, at, a, at a high level, there's a shock and a disappointment for some. That's just the way it is. Yes. I, I'm one of those guys many times. I have both albums, yeah. but, you know, and okay. I, I think uh, there's times where I've gone literally years without barely listening to that album because I was a, with a certain album and because I, I was disappointed. Mm-hmm. And then all once I'm like, you know what? That's pretty fucking good, actually. And I think that uh, we're, you know, we're emotional beings. You know and we want to hear the this stuff we want to hear sometimes so it, it's fascinating uh how all this works cyclically for you now I want to talk about being on the road okay and what you what was your favorite tour that you went on
1: oh man uh I'll be honest I don't remember a lot of the touring <laughs> <laughs> um but uh I really loved the tours um, on that first record. Um, like we were all, we went out with Stone Temple Pilots. That was pretty fun. Uh, it was right as they were uh, breaking. I think "Plush" was was their big hit um, mm-hmm. on the first record, and it was right as as "Plush" was taking off. Um, and and so and they were they were great. And so it was a lot of a uh, lot of fun watching. It was a trip and also kind of like a, a little bit of a jealousy thing, like, oh, shit, they're going to do this, you know, and, and they're right. going to do that. Um, so, but uh, we had a lot of fun on those tours and just um, uh, being in the van. I enjoyed I enjoyed having a bus, but I enjoyed the experiences in the van more, I think.
2: Huh.
1: It, they were just That's it was It was just yeah, it was just a little grosser and a little more debauchery, um, in the van, <laughs> uh, you know. And it, it was just a little more raw, you know, than because uh, you're yeah. driving yourself, and it sucks at the time, right? But in in retrospect, I I did I really enjoyed those experiences. And then you just like you know some 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 fans take you to their house, and it ends up in the middle of the woods somewhere, and you think you're going to get killed, and uh you end up don't you're not getting killed, and so that's exciting. Um, so yeah. <laughs> those those early tours where we were just really sort of um, slugging it out uh, on our own was, was was a lot of fun.
2: What was the weirdest matchup that you ever had, like on a bill, or some of the weird um, Did that be just?
1: We played with D Light in uh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> in uh, minnesota i think uh, that was really bizarre um you know in the, on, on uh, and we opened for slayer once in mexico mm-hmm. in uh, tijuana and that was nuts this place uh, this this place called Iguanas, and they used to call it like oh it yeah thunderdome you know like uh, mad max mm-hmm. so there was a second story and there was no guardrails or anything mm-hmm. we're just jumping off the second
0: I've been
1: into the <laughs> pit. it was wild man yeah, there was like,
0: a lot of hardcore and punk shows there back in the day and you know, I was yeah. huge for that yeah
1: yeah, and, and so like uh in five songs in and I think at the time we only really had five songs too but five songs in they just started chanting Slayer and we were like peace <laughs> smart <laughs> you know, you know.
2: and you were happy because you got it's to watch so Slayer after that <laughs>
1: and we got to watch Slayer after that too so that was pretty cool um and uh yeah i learned that sugar tooth was dientes de azúcar that tour <laughs> so that was <laughs> in spanish anyway um
2: yep.
1: so uh, but yeah we, we had some weird bills um those are the two that, that that pop out and the Slayer one was like you know that was like a bucket list kind of bill but it was just weird yeah. you know you're not really wanted Right, you know, <laughs> by the audience. They were, for the most part, they were great. And I've actually heard from some of those fans that were there when we, uh, when we released the new record um, that they loved the show, but it just felt like, all right, we gotta, we gotta
2: get the fuck out of here <laughs> before <laughs> we get killed. Right. What was the biggest show you ever did? Uh,
1: uh, you know, those were probably like radio shows, radio festivals. Um, I remember there was one in Oregon that uh, like Sandy Hagar was on and a bunch of people. And I think that was like 10,000 people. That was probably the the biggest. Um, We opened, we did, there was a a Metallica fight um, show uh, Mm at the Blockbuster Pavilion in Anaheim. Um, and it was it ended up being like an all day sort of show put on by k uh, which was uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we opened that show. We were getting a lot of great play on k and with uh, Sold My Fortune at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was that was a big one. And then Rob Halford wanted to get on stage with us and do a Judas Priest song, which was unbelievable. But none of us knew. Not, like all four of us didn't know a Judas Priest song. You know, like, oh no, oh, no. fucked up. <laughs> Learn your Judas Priest songs, because you never know. Oh, man. We, we all knew Sabbath songs, So, we, and he had just gone on the road with Sabbath, I think, and we're like, did you, did you do a Sabbath song? And he was just like, fuck you guys, and took off.
0: Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah
2: you, you should have quickly – what was that song? You should have done Wizard. Uh, <laughs> which,
1: we should have done something.
2: Oh. Halford did with Wino, who we just interviewed, uh-huh. who chose back along with uh who was a Bill Ward, I think it was maybe on.
1: Nice, yeah. No, we it was uh, an
2: all-star even for a tribute album. Yeah, they call themselves the Boring Bum- Brummies. Oh,
1: nice. The, uh, yeah. That was actually a great lesson to to get your shit together and be prepared uh, for anything. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, so
2: what is your favorite Free
1: songs? Just in case it happens again.
2: So what is your favorite Judas Priest song then?
1: Uh, that's a tough one. Good God, uh, Victim of Changes. Um, yeah, nice. You know, it's way back, but, yep. uh, right. I think we actually started covering Victim of Changes shortly.
2: Nice.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, Not
1: so, an
2: easy one to sing.
1: Yeah, Oof. yeah. Luckily I can't sing at all, so.
0: <laughs> uh, That's
2: I, amazing. What, what, like, how did the reboot happen? Like, how did you guys decide, all right, let's maybe do something? Uh,
1: well, I was telling Matt a little bit about it, and uh, we um, we started like, I was um, I kind of quit music for a while, not kind of, I quit music for a while. I i, I hit 30, and I was like, Fuck it, I don't want to keep playing the coconut teaser in Los Angeles, you know, at 30. Cause I started, I started mm. playing LA clubs when I was 16. And I, I was like, I want to do, I want to do other things. I went to art school, you know, I, I had other things that I wanted to do Right. for better or for worse. It was probably not the best decision, but, um, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I kind of dropped out of music after, after sugar tooth, Mark and I, uh, we did a thing called Sangre de Toro with a friend of ours, Gus, who's a, an amazing singer. And it was sort of like a rock in Espanol kind of thing. Um, and uh, we did um, uh, an album called The Bicycle Thief. Uh, or it was, I'm sorry, the album was called uh, You Come and Go Like a Pop Song. And the band was uh, The Bicycle Thief with um, this guy, Bob Forrest, who was in a band called Thelonious Monster.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: Thelonious. So I used to go see Thelonious when I was a kid. and um, had an opportunity to be in a band with Bob, and so, so we started the Bicycle Thief. <clears throat> it was Bob and Josh Klinghoffer, who you might know. He went on to uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and uh, plays with Pearl Jam, and we played with PJ Harvey. He's played with everybody. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, crazy allergies. Uh, the uh, mm-hmm. so after all that, I, I sort of quit music. And I uh, was doing some other things, like didn't touch the bass for like 14 years. And then Bob called me up out of the blue. He was going to be doing a reunion show, wanted me to come play with him. And so it was going to be something where it was the Thelonious Monster songs and Bicycle Thief songs and some of Bob's other solo stuff. And so I ended up playing the whole, the whole show with him. It was like 20 songs or something. And uh, it just sort of reignited. My love of music and and made me realize that I kind of I kind of messed up, you know. It's one thing to take a break, and it's one thing to just put something that you love and was such a big part of your, you know, aside and sort of away. Uh, so you, you so kind of like I put it away so I couldn't see it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Light out of mind. <clears throat> so um, anyway, after that, I just was reignited and I started writing songs again. And actually the first song that, that I, um, that I wrote after that was salt and sea, which is on this record. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so I started sending some songs, uh, to Mark. I think I wrote buried around that time as well, at least, you know, musically. Um, and I would send them to Mark and, uh, he was into them, but he was, he was really busy with what he was doing. And, um, then the pandemic hit and things just you know for everybody right you're you're, you're just everything you wanted in life sort of changed everything you expected in life changed um and mark also was hit really hard uh by covid his mother passed away from it and um some people that were really dear to him um uh passed away during that time and so uh he really wanted to start making music again and starting to create and have a, a way for himself to vent. Um, yeah. So he kind of, he, he contacted Joey and I, cause we were all still friends. We all still text each other and, you know, um, and he's actually Mark is one of my best friends, uh, since we, since he first joined the band. Uh, um, but we, um, So he was like, "Let's let's do this record. Let's let's make music. Let's do it without a label, and without any sort of you know preconceived notions of what it needs to be. Let's just let's just create something." And so Joey and I were you know were down to do it, and uh, Mark and I started working on material, started writing songs. Unfortunately, with Joe, um, his schedule was so busy, he was unable to uh, make recording session. Yeah. Um, we were fortunate to have Michael Jerome play drums on it, who just killed it. The guy's he's a sick drummer, too. So we're really lucky in our, uh, uh, in our, our drummer history. Has been We've been pretty fortunate. <laughs> um, you don't hear
2: that very often. <laughs> I
1: mean, they're, they're all in 72 bands, and they're all on tour at the same time. Uh, so it's still that but uh as far as players and good good dudes uh we've been really fortunate uh dusty watson who toured with us on the uh uh, sounds of solid record is a really amazing drummer as well Mm -hmm. um but anyway so so we started writing songs uh you know um i'm in new jersey now we're both from the west coast but mark's in new york now i'm in new jersey um, a place i never thought i would be but i actually love it um and uh (laughs) Uh, we just started writing songs on GarageBand, sending them back and forth, and um, that was the impetus. And it was just really a, a, an amazing way to just vent and and get out so much that we had to say, and so much that we've sort of kept bottled up and bottled up inside. And for him, all the stuff that he dealt with just came out in his lyrics and in his vocal performances, which is very different than like it's it's got this record has a similar vibe to the first one i think groove wise <clears throat> excuse me and riff wise but his his vocals are are, are definitely um uh angrier and angstier.
2: yeah and, not as not as more soulful based but definitely more aggressive at, at times uh yeah you know, your first honest. single oh yeah i mean your first single that you put out on this new one. That's one of my songs of the year so far. I, I think that song is just really, really good. And that's, his yes. vocal harmonies and, and what he does vocally on that is, and even the lyrics, it's it, it just an overall, really super impressive song. Um, yeah. It really, I mean, I like the album, but that song is just, there's even something just, Is just something you just get for for some of us. You just relate to it quickly. Yeah, uh, in what he's saying, and just the whole thing's a jam. It's just, it's just awesome.
1: One hundred percent. And he um, actually, Mark wrote that riff too. Uh, I'm pretty sure Mark wrote that riff, and and that is like not only one of my favorite riffs on the record, but one of the favorite my my favorite riffs that I think he's ever written. It's so good
0: yeah sing on is a great song too that's got great harmonies in that fantastic
1: i wrote that one in this room guys really? oh nice
0: very nice very fantastic nice. Oh, wow now now you,
2: you got a bunch of good stuff so are you gonna play live
0: well that's what we're working
1: on now so we're uh working on finding a drummer because like i said uh our other drummers are constantly touring um and so we're on the East Coast. So we're trying to find someone on the East Coast uh, so we can do some local gigs and just, you know, we can just, just get out easy and mm-hmm. then figure out how we're going to get everywhere else. Um, like, you know, I'm 52 now, uh, Mark's the same age. We're not going to hop in a van again um, mm-hmm. and, and tour for, you know, for, for 10 months or whatever. Um, <laughs> But we're going to do whatever we can and as, as many shows as we can, as soon as we do find a drummer, uh, talking to a couple of people now and, uh, hopefully we'll have something set up soon.
0: Now for, for the, you know, in terms of Joey, I, I thought I remember reading that he was going to be originally part of, of the reunion that did something. It's just, cause he's, I know he's a busy guy. He's in a million different projects, but, um, you know, yeah, no, to- that was, that was
1: exactly it. He was, uh, originally going to be doing it. Um, we were originally going to be recording, I think in, uh, February of last year and and he couldn't um you know, because uh as much as he wanted to do it he was sort of at the mercy of the bands he was in which like the mm-hmm. Circle jerks in the Bronx are I mean, it's pretty pretty good fucking bands sure. um and you're also at the time tours were being canceled and rescheduled because of covid um so it was really hard to to get a hard, hard date, you know? Mm-hmm. So we kept having to push the recording back. And after a while, it just, there was no, it didn't make sense to keep pushing it back anymore. As, as much as we wanted to do it, uh, the three of us, um, it just didn't make sense. You know, we, you know, we wanted to, to, to get in and record and, and, and get it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh alan johannes uh ended up mixing it and playing some guitar on it as well and um that actually that connection came through joey which was great
0: mm-hmm. very nice so now is this you guys now Like you said you're looking to play some shows obviously you got the record you just mentioned before this isn't the end of the sugar tooth story obviously this isn't the book and you guys are planning on, on continuing this correct i mean this is this is just the start of the new beginning pretty much so the band
1: yeah, pretty much. I mean, um, we've got, you know, we, we, we wrote about 20 songs for the record. We recorded 13 and put 12 on the record. We've um, mm-hmm. got a lot of music left uh, just from the songs that we didn't use that we will probably, you know, we'll rework them in a way because they weren't speaking to us um, as they are now. But there's some killer riffs and, and, and killer melodies in, in what we've got. Um, so yes, we're gonna, we're just gonna keep writing and keep creating and, um, uh, keep putting it out, you know, uh, the, it would be really great to be able to, and kind of the goal is to, you know, find our audience, find our, our sugar tooth people, create our community online and continue to, um, you know, just to make music and, and art for these people, uh, for the people that want to hear it and, and, um. That's you know that's kind of where our heads are at now. We're,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we want to do it for ourselves, and we want to do it for the people that that want it. Um, and we're also we like the idea of accessibility, you know, mm-hmm. um, and being accessible to to fans and being able to to talk to fans on Instagram or Facebook or where wherever it is that we're talking to people, mm-hmm. um, and you know just want to keep going from there and, and 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 see uh what we can do see what we can make very cool play live because because i i do miss that yeah no, be, yeah
2: be, and that's where it kind of circles back around is you got go to find a drummer
0: well that's yeah you got your own. Um, <laughs> oh, there
2: you go um so what are you listening to nowadays that's new? I, are, do you dive into that water at all? Or are you you sticking to what you know?
1: It's, uh, I am diving into that water. It's funny, like, when, I don't know about you guys, but when the pandemic was sort of peak, I started listening to all of that 80s metal that I grew up on. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was just like a comfort food kind of thing. Like, I needed... A sense of stability. You know, so I started, you know, I started getting way back into heavy into Dio again. Those nice. New records and, and you know, like old Sabbath stuff. And I mean, I never stopped really listening to the Sabbath stuff, but um, new stuff, uh, Idols. Are you guys, uh, you know, Idols, I D L E S?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I think that, uh, yeah, they're amazing. I, I love that rhythm section. Um, uh, on like sort of like a sort of sort of stoner rock uh, doom side, uh, the Margarita Witch Cult. Oh yeah, uh, I've been oh, getting yeah. a new record. Uh, there's another one out of I think Australia, Jack Harlow. I think it's Jack Harlow. Jack Harlan. Harlan, Jack Harlan. sorry.
2: Yeah. I, yeah. Very wow, cool. this is so, impressive that you know those two <laughs> bands. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen, I've uh, seen sugar is It seems to be, you know, joining. I've seen you kind of sniffing around the stoner rock world a little bit, which, quite frankly, makes a lot of sense. We're probably the yeah, the, I mean, the, always the, considered the stoner. Rock,
1: you know, in the that especially yeah. with that first record. I mean, like practically yeah. every song, all the songs on the first two records are all about weed. So we were always sort of in. <laughs> that stoner or, or at least written while stone. um we <laughs> yeah. were in that world you know we would play with those bands we would play with Caius and we would play with um fu- manchu and, uh, wow um so you know we were we were sort of in that in that world and we were certainly in that headspace yeah. um so it's just yeah those are some of the things that that uh have been speaking to me and it's interesting that you say that too because I think that's on Facebook that you're seeing that. And uh, I don't know, like the Facebook algorithm is just like stone a rock, stone a rock. So I'm still yeah, I'm like, all right, I'm good.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, the best hard and heavy rock being made is simply there. Yeah. Um, me and Matt, we do this show with with hopes of just like literally expanding people's minds of we're being fed things you know whatever these rich three labels decide but really rock and roll is prevalent all over the world for sure and Mm -hmm. it's just not being given and it's literally amazing stuff i mean we kind of feel like you know rival sons is kind of like you know a cousin Mm -hmm. that just moved up the ladder i mean literally it fits you know it's blues based it's good vocals. I mean, I, I prefer the good vocals side of, of sonar Rock. I don't, I'm not a screaming uh, yeah. or a grunner kind of guy. Um, and, you know, guitar-based and, you know, songs that can be catchy. Uh, it's just, we're amazing. About. So Matt and I do this, you know, with interviews from Legacy Stuff. You know, we've had Kenny Hickey recently from Typo Negative, who uh-huh. he's got a new project nice. with Kirk. Nice uh from crowbar uh, you know and it's gonna be rock. it's not gonna be you know it's gonna be kenny singing <laughs> yeah you know? mm-hmm. and you know we, in wino and all that so we we love i, I to me sure too, it was a no brainer i'm like i these guys are awesome i got a buddy scott um that is just as big a fan he was an la guy even when you guys were out there nice. uh, and saw you probably met you and um yeah we just feel for some of us we feel like just Come here. Let's help you. Let's help these guys out. Yeah. Because, anyway. And you deliver. I mean, I wouldn't do that if your music sucked, <laughs> quite frankly. A lot of us wouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, Yeah. if it didn't speak to us. Because um, there's a lot of stuff that comes out that <laughs> Matt and I aren't going to play. You know, it might be nice to us. People butter us up all day long. But, you know, there's always so much time you can play. And that's just even as a consumer, there's always so much time you're going to listen yeah and uh it, it's a tough world out there it's adhd world for sure and um but sugar tooth it's just so good to have back yeah and then wow to hear you say you guys played with kaius
0: yeah we played you. <laughs> good
1: guy <laughs> and it was funny yeah there was i remember there was uh the one show we played with kaius uh i think it was in the desert somewhere um <laughs> And Joey broke his snare on the first song, and Caius didn't let us. You know, we were like trying to borrow a, a, a snare drum, and Caius was like, "No, nah, fuck that. <laughs> we need our snare drum. This guy's gonna break it."
2: <laughs> 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 yeah, well,
1: <laughs> and then Joey went on to play with, with Josh and yeah uh, yeah so was,
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah. That's that's wild stuff right there. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was, it's uh, just one big
1: community. It, it really, I mean, it was, it was a cool time to be playing, you know, in LA. Like, um, I think our first show, one of yeah, our first show, I think was with Rage Against the Machine, um, at a small club, you know, we played with them a couple times, um, White Zombie, um, I don't know that we ever played with Tool, but like basically all those bands around that, that time that were coming up, we played with, and then we would go down to, to Palm Desert and play with, uh with Caius and solar feast and, um, uh, all these, these cool bands. So, uh, it really, you know, in backyard parties in the desert and it was just a really, a really cool time, uh, and, uh, just, uh, around a lot of music fans. And, and some of those, um, the guitar player for this band, solar feast, that we used to play with a lot filmed all these amazing shows. Oh, nice. And he's got a YouTube account called horns. I think it's H O R and ss um he's got you got to check out the videos he's got i mean kaius at, at small clubs you know sugar tooth and fu manchu and just uh all these amazing bands from that time so it's pretty cool that's awesome
0: yeah i didn't realize you guys uh, w- when you first started out i think it was dave fortman was originally with the band as well correct yeah yeah so
1: yeah. um so dave was in she died, which eventually became Sugartooth with the new singer. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we met Dave. So Tim gruz the, um, the old guitar player that was on the first record, uh, he knew Dave from Louisiana and, okay. uh, and Dave had come out to L.A. and so he joined the band um, and then Mark joined the band. Um, we got signed shortly after that to uh, Capitol Records. Okay. Um, once we got signed to Capitol Records, the guy, I think, who uh, who was acting as our lawyer was managing Ugly Kid Joe. So next thing you know, Dave joined Ugly Kid Joe, mm-hmm. uh, which ended up being a great thing because Mark was singing and not playing guitar. And uh, so it allowed Mark to move over to guitar, which just, you know, his, his guitar playing is phenomenal and uh, really is such a big part of, of the Sugar Tooth sound. But yeah, Dave's a great guy and he's it turned out to be a great producer. Absolutely. Great producer. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, he's always had it. He always had an amazing ear. And, you know, he would be saying some things to me like, you know, about, uh, you know, melody or production or something. And I would just nod at the time. like Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was, you know, from from the jump that 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 do know new music and could hear things that 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 other people couldn't. For sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, Slipknot Mud Godsmack. I mean, he's yeah, you know, produced all a lot of those records. Yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah. 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 Good deal. Sure. Nice. All right. Well, uh, John, you got anything else for, for Josh before we wrap this up?
2: No, you know, it, it's it's super cool the the finally media and uh and everything. And uh yeah, good luck. And uh let's let's talk after the show. <laughs> <laughs>
1: anyway, uh guys thank you so much for having me thank you for uh you know for championing sugar tooth and and um, and for being out there and championing just heavy music and rock and roll in general
0: absolutely well w- go ahead let the list of views, viewers and listeners know too josh where you can keep up with the band like you know with merch and, and tour dates and all that stuff too uh,
1: absolutely so we've got our uh, our website which is sugartooth.band. uh it seemed like a good idea at the time but uh, so sugartooth.band, um, we uh, our Instagram I think is uh, at Sugartooth Music, Facebook uh, Sugartooth, um, those are and we also have a YouTube channel. So uh, all those places. If you join the mailing list, you know you'll find out about stuff a little earlier. You can join that on our website. Um, but yeah, like uh, we've got uh, CDs coming, we've got vinyl coming, uh, new music coming, uh, all kinds of stuff. Mark's an incredible guitar collector. Uh, we've got some videos about all his ridiculous guitars nice. um, coming out. So we've got just a, a lot of stuff coming.
0: Fantastic. All right. Well, Josh, Sugartooth, thanks so much, man. We look yeah. forward to hopefully seeing you live. That's uh, absolutely the hope. And um, yeah, cool, man. Say, just before you go, uh, Josh, just want to see, could you mind giving us a station ID here for the uh, – yeah. Okay, so I'll just put you on the solo screen here. I'll remove me and John and just, be, you know, say this is Josh from Sugar Tooth. You're watching Heavy Galaxy Show. You got it. Okay, thanks. Give me one sec. All right. Hey, this is Josh
1: from Sugar Tooth. You guys are watching the Heavy Galaxy Show.
0: Perfect. All right. Fantastic. All right, Josh. Hey, man, thanks so much, man. really appreciate it. Great talking to you, man.
1: Great talking to you guys, too, man.
0: This will be up tonight. I'm should let you know too. It's going up right away. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Very cool.
2: Josh, we should talk offline because I can help you with some of the growth and all that. I've been doing it for five, six years for bands. And I'm a like a Facebook ads specialist. And I could do some stuff that will make some sense for you. Uh, sounds
1: good. Yeah. I'm uh, completely lost. I've just been uh, doing a couple you know, like throwing things out there, but uh, that would be fantastic.
0: I'm pretty cheap yeah. too. I'm cheap this guys amazing
2: and <laughs> nice. I'm cheap yeah. and I work with only good bands and so I, I don't want to like work with bands that I don't think there's an upside. yeah, yeah. And, and literally that first video, I could do a video of views with that and 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 I I have audiences already like a bunch of audiences built already. all right. Like, a, i did marketing and sales, mainly marketing for t- Fortune 500 company Marriott for 50. Oh, yeah. You know, you I was one of these treppy, stoner metalheads uh, <laughs> that end up working for one of the largest companies in the world, that's even great. though now it's anti-corporation. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> longest time. You know, that's Gen X for you, right? We're all these it's ideals, funny. and then but I was I'm very fortunate. I have a pass for this stuff so it's it just basically yeah. all I do right now is work with bands on this stuff and uh, I'd love to at least talk with you about specifics and um, maybe maybe this would be a good band to have at Planet Desert Rock 4 in January of next year in Las Damn Vegas it. so and we can you know talk specifics but I'll probably have John Garcia there from, Gar- nice. from Caius. Sure. Um, and I've got a couple European bands coming. I mean, Garcia has played every one of my shows. uh for if Rob Rock, shows
1: up, and... this What's that? Just so you know, if Rob Halford shows up, I'm ready. <laughs>
2: okay. Right. I'm ready this time. We're going to have to get him over from Phoenix. All right. We'll try. Uh, we'll try. He's a metal ambassador oh, nowadays. Yeah. I mean, this guy, I think it's Kenny Hickey was talking about him. Mean, he just. Halpert. But anyways, yeah, the chance of getting in the show, that'd be fun. Nice. But there are some, uh, there could be some interesting opportunities, we'll say. But Nebula, which you probably remember back in the day, they, they played yeah. some of my Planet of yeah, the Rocks. And it, it I advertise full on. I get people all over the world, particularly all over the country in Canada, coming to the show. We usually get at least a couple hundred people. I mean, it's not anything, and it's like five bands each night. And that's it. Yeah. It's not an all day thing. And so you literally get to enjoy Vegas while you're here. Yeah. And uh, uh, the venues I have are very good. Very good. Like Counts Vamped, which is owned by uh, Danny Coker from Counting Cars, Um, dare I say, is the nicest rock and roll venue there is. Uh, They have full, full two sound guys, front and back, lights. They even have like the little risers if you want to go do a little action and the light comes up it's it's pro and so that would probably be you'd probably be a good fit for my friday night there um and you'd be surrounded you'd be surrounded not by friend my friends bands but very good bands and so i you have a market to to sniff that's one market yeah you can definitely get some listeners and i've already had people when i post and you know i had you on um Couple times on the uh, Rock is Dead the guest list, uh, people were like, "Holy shit, they're back!" I know this is awesome. Yeah, that's and, great. Yeah, uh, you know, I post this stuff periodically, and people are they, there's always a reaction, always a good reaction. Some are like, "What? <laughs> they're still around?" I'm like, "They are now." <laughs> you know, those old
1: bastards. Um, yeah, dude, that sounds yeah. cool. Uh, let's. I'll talk. Let's talk tomorrow uh, about some uh, promotion stuff.
2: Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Thank you again, Josh. And Matt, appreciate He was always.
0: Absolutely. Take it easy, brother. Thanks, Josh. All All right, right, guys. Take care.
2: Later.